from the tick-free studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVR in Bethlehem, PA. It is time for another life-saving episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Ticks aren't just a nuisance. One attachment can ruin your life forever. And so on today's show, we'll reveal ways to greatly reduce the number of ticks on your property and one surefire way of never being bitten. All wrapped up as gift suggestions for the gardeners you care about. Otherwise, it's a phone call show, cats and kittens. That's right. That means we will take that heap and help of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and resolutely robust recriminations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you enlisting Mighty Mouse to tackle your ticks right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners, school bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. And before we get to your fabulous phone calls, I got two little bits of business I want to get across. This is one of my favorite holiday plants. This is a big chunk of rosemary mm, that has been shaped into a Christmas tree shape. And they make magnificent gifts when you're going over to somebody's house, a hostess gift. They make a great little gift for the gardener in your life, or you can just buy it for yourself. Or if you're in a really tight space, they make a perfect tabletop tree. Plus, as any of you have had to buy rosemary for cooking or for aromatherapy know, you can't get this much rosemary for 15, 20 bucks. You got more rosemary growing in this pot than you'll ever find for sale at that price. However, should you choose to indulge in one to three of these, they look great in a circle, and I'm gonna put lights on mine. Um, you gotta pot it up. These things are terribly pot bound. So when you get it home, soak it real good by putting this in a sink, and then transfer it to a larger pot, filling in the extra space on the bottom and the sides with a good quality potting soil put it back in the sink, give it bright light, and if you live in zone six or warmer, you can leave these little trees outside, like one on each side of your doorway. Just bring it in for a couple of days or one day if the temps drop below 20 or if there's an ice storm or sleet or freezing rain or anything like that. And as the season progresses, I will tell you how to possibly keep this alive for planting in your garden next week. Then you'll have a burning hunk of rosemary to get started with. Okay? Um, phone call, 833-727-9588. Holly, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, Holly. Where are you? I'm in Woodbridge, Virginia. Woodbridge. Now, is that in the Correct. great... Greater D.C. area, or are you south? Uh, it is. It's in the greater D.C. area, near oh. Manassas. Oh, okay. Very good. 
Uh, what can we do for Holly in Woodbridge, Virginia? I should know Woodbridge for some reason. Uh, it's right near Occoquan, the little town of Occoquan. Right, right. And isn't there a base there? Um, yes, uh, we are really close to um, actually a couple of military bases, Fort Belvoir and Quantico. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. That's where all the traffic backs up on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, well, every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what can we do for Holly? Um, so I'm calling because we moved about 18 months ago into a house that um, is on a nice, large, wooded lot. Mm -hmm. And we had moved in the spring, so I didn't really try to bring a garden with me, so I didn't plant that year. And my plan was to start a garden here um, right. the following spring, which would be 2019. But when we moved in, we soon discovered we had a lot of critters to deal with. And the most troublesome was um, copperheads. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. You know, and it's it's funny, though, because you're kind of on the northern edge of their range as you move further down yeah. the coast to like Virginia Beach, they become much more common. And mm -hmm. yeah, they're no fun. Oof. So no, uh, got... so t uh, uh, where do you see them? Has anybody in the neighborhood been bitten? What's going on? So we see them all along our property. Our property is about six acres, and we've seen them mm. everywhere we've explored, um, including right next to the house, which is particularly problematic. Right. Um, we have three young kids, mm -hmm. um, and we have two neighbors who have been bitten, uh, reaching under bushes in their yards or things like that, um, and been hospitalized. You know, one of, of the most common areas where these bites occur, and this is true of a lot of problematic creatures is when people reach into firewood piles. Yes. Um, because it's warm and wet underneath and it's usually not disturbed, um, mm -hmm. you know, from the spring through the winter. And that's where rats often will set up uh, mm -hmm. housekeeping. And it's also where a lot of black widow bites occur. So anytime you're reaching into firewood piles, you really need to be wearing heavy gloves, not only for those reasons, but so you don't get your hands all beat up. Um, right. Reaching under bushes. Well, that'll teach them to clean up under the bushes. Um, yes, absolutely. Well, um, you know, you, do you have any pets? Uh, we do not. We had a dog when we first moved in, and um, she actually was bitten. Oh. What, what breed? Um, she was a mix. We got her from the local shelter. Mm, man. Um, there are dogs that are, that are good at chasing snakes away, but I, I hesitate to recommend them because they're very high energy yeah. and they need a lot of care and attention. You know, snakes are, uh, the, the first rule um, is uh, snakes will not go onto open areas. So. Right you know, eliminate as much brush as you can. Obviously, you're not going to um, get rid of any perennials, but um, any useless brush, get yourself a, you know, if you've got that much land, you probably need one of those DR brush cutters, one of those, like, right. um, lawn mowers on steroids. And keep, yes. as, <laughs> keep as much mowed down as you can. And you gotta teach the kids not to walk into brush, I mean, it's where you pick up ticks. That's where they're going to be hiding. Um, they like it moist. They like it dark. Um, oddly enough, if you, if you want them to come out in the open where you can keep your eye on them, you would put stone paving in a kind of an out-of-the-way area. 
and they'll colonize that. They will come out, especially at night, and lay on the warm stone. Um, if you have perennials around, um, you know, get out there, first of all, with a weed whacker and go around the edges and make a lot of noise and make a lot of debris, maybe even a leaf blower. This would be a great job mm -hmm. for a leaf blower just to scare them away. And then what I would do is uh, uh, get, a, get as much of the lower branches of those perennials out of the way as possible. Um, but this is, this is what Crosby, Stills, and Nash meant when they said, teach your children well. Um, mm -hmm. because these things are all over the area. And uh, for instance, do you know what to do, what your emergency procedure should be if one of your children does get bitten? Um, we do. We've been told not to, not to try to suck out the venom or anything like that, and we are about uh, a mile and a half from the fire station, rescue squad, police station combo. And, but so do, we're in a good spot. But do they have anti-venom? I don't know if they do, but our local hospital does because that's where my neighbor is working. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you want to you want to <laughs> have you want to have a route planned out um, to the closest anti-venom. You don't want to you don't want to uh, waste any time. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the smaller the body, um, the more the venom has effect on them. So, um, you know, really keep brush down, keep things as dry and as open as you can. Um, anytime you're going to do any yard work, you know, I like this idea more and more of getting a rechargeable uh, blower vac and just kind of announcing your presence going around so you don't get, okay. so you don't get surprised. And, um, you know, other than that, I, my sense is obviously these creatures are not interested in you. They're biting because they were shocked. They were surprised. They were startled. Correct. So, yeah, um, and we haven't seen as many this year as when we first moved in. We've seen about a third of them okay. um, that we've seen in this year. And the house was vacant before we got here for about a year. Right. So, I'm so maybe that they just kind of being here is is making them want to leave. <laughs> right. Well, and and their prey is like voles and mice and stuff like that. And they're going to be attracted. Uh, to an empty house. Make sure there's no easy crawl spaces for them to get into under your house. You know, if it's up high and there's an opening down there, make sure you screen that off with hardware cloth and just keep the brush cut down and educate your children. And, um, you know, uh, this is, you know, the further south you go, the, the, the more you just pile on the poisonous snakes. For sure. And is there um, anything I can plant that they, I mean, if there's something they're attracted to, I would like to not plant that. No, <laughs> But if no. there's something that would deter them, that no, would also be just, great No, it's plant. just physics. Um, they will not come out onto open areas. So the, oddly enough, the more lawn you plant, they might actually be repelled by some ground covers that have a distinctive scent, like creeping thyme. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm not even sure they can smell, so that, that could be wrong. But no, the thing you would do is not have um, large, massive plantings that cover the ground. Make sure there's lots okay. of airflow around the base of your plants and there won't be any place for them to hide. Okay, perfect. All right, good luck to you. Thank you so much. All right, Holly, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. Andrew, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. How are you doing today? I am just ducky, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And where is Andrew doing great? I'm about an hour west of you in Exton, Pennsylvania. Okay, very good. What can we do for Andrew in Exton? Well, my wife and I are just finishing up our first full year out here, and we have a woods that we really like that surrounds our, our five-acre property. Mm -hmm. uh, problem with it, is there seem to be vines that are threatening to bring down a lot of the trees. Uh -huh. uh, about, about three and a half acres wooded. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, uh, can I just go out there with a battery-powered chainsaw and take down some of these vines that are, I'll say, more vine than tree? And if I can, without hurting the forest, um, is there a better way to do it than just going one at a time with a chainsaw? Uh, no, there is not. Um, depending on the thickness of the vines, you risk doing less, less damage to the bark if you use a bow saw. And they're remarkably effective. Um, so I would try both. Now, first, I have to warn you, you know, I presume you know this, but I should never be presumptuous, that any vine that is really clinging sideways to the tree and has hairy stuff coming off of it is poison ivy. And that's simply a tree that you should mark so you know not to touch the leaves of the tree because that could be the poison ivy vine coming back down in reverse. And that'll give you a nasty rash and you won't know where you got it. Yeah, I made that mistake last year. I had it everywhere. It yeah. miserable. Yeah, you, it, it will make you miserable. Um, if you should choose um, to try to get rid of the poison ivy, say you, you and your kids or whatever are going to enjoy walking through trails in the woods and stuff, there's an old friend of the show, my friend Umar, who worked at the Philadelphia Zoo for like forever, and he now has a company called I Don't Want Poison Ivy. So he comes out with a whole crew, and they're all suited up in Tyvek, and they take it down without chemicals, and it's not unusual for him to pull tonnage out of an area. Mm -hmm. So then you start with kind of a clean slate. The vines you're talking about are probably more like uh, wild wisteria, which is a monster, and wild grape, which is its nasty cousin. These are vines that get enormously thick, and they will reach up into the air, and if they catch a hold of a branch of, say, an evergreen, they will try to pull it down. They actually, before I was paying attention, when I was laid up with my shoulder, they almost succeeded in pulling a spruce out of the ground. They are wow. muscular. They are powerful. Luckily, they're not parasites. They are close to being epiphytes. They climb up the tree. They hang on to the tree but they do not take any nutrition from the tree. So all you got to do is find the area where the vine is coming out of the ground. You may need a brush cutter to clear up stuff around them. And then just slice that off doing as little damage as you can 
to the, uh, to the bark of the tree. But that's it. The uh, stuff up in the tree will die without the nutrition from the root. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for the advice then. I've got a, I got a fun winter ahead of me with a chainsaw. Yeah. Well, men and chainsaws, you know, we get excited whenever there's a possibility of death or dismemberment. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks for taking my call, Mike, and have a great rest of your day. All right. You too, sir. Be careful out there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will appear on Saturday and Sunday, January 25th and 26th at the Home and Garden Show at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkesboro, PA. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back with more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute TV and Radio, Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Right. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVR and WLVT, Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, ho, 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 Mike McGrath, sitting in front of my beautiful rosemary Christmas tree. And I want to take a moment to remind you that we want you to send in a postcard with your name and address on the back. We're giving away lots of books from my personal library, so we want you to send in postcards. They can be ordinary ones, they can be clever ones. We're going to pick the ones we want. We're gonna try and pick as many of them as we can. Next couple of weeks and months, you're gonna be seeing books come flying out of here. So send that postcard to You Bet Your Garden care of PBS 39, Bethlehem, PA, 18015. Do it today, before midnight tonight, so you don't forget. Nadine, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me on You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you for being had, Nadine. Where are you? I am in Philadelphia. I'm in North Philly. Okay. Well, I went to Temple. Where, where in North Philly? Oh, okay. Um, our family... Ancestral home is at 20th and Burks. Okay. And I'm at 21st and Ridge. Oh, okay. 20th and Burks. That's just off the uh, Temple just campus. Off the cam the, yeah, just off the campus. Yes, yeah. I've, I remember running around that campus when it was ivy covered as a child. Yeah, it's, I think the ivy is still there out on Broad Street. 
Mm-hmm. All right. What can we do for Nadine in North Philly? Okay. This is the problem. I ordered a hydrangea where they just give you the little piece and you plant it. Right. And Bare root. Think, yeah. And then I think it takes like two seasons. Typically, yeah. Typically. So I'm at the typically. This is my third season. And I have a few leaves and that's it. So should I just be patient? So you put a hydrangea bare root in the ground a couple of years ago. Are you saying that it hasn't even grown substantially? Uh, not, well, it's a it's about two feet with stalks, about four stalks and leaves. But all the leaves, of course, have fallen off now. You're right, because it's the dormant season. Right. Um, ha have you been pruning it or otherwise tamper? It's I didn't prune it because it's not really anything to really prune. Good, good. Um, but it's it's taking off very slowly from your perception. Yeah. Okay. Now North Philly is very crowded area. It's it's you know like South Philly with a lot of row homes packed close together. Um, where where is the plant? Front of the house, back of the house? Is yeah. It well, the, where I am, it's um, we haven't been overrun with gentrification yet. It's 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 there. But where the where I live in my house. There are about five houses here between um, Jeff a main street and a small street. Mm -hmm. And I have a front porch low to the ground because it's handicap accessible. Right. And so I get sun in the morning in the front, and then I get sun in the afternoon in the back. Okay. And uh, is the hydrangea in the ground or a pot? It's in a huge pot. Ah, okay. Um Normally, I would be worried about that, but you're not in the suburbs. You're in the heat sink right. of the city, right. and plants in pots tend to do much better there. Um, and as you say, uh, the pot is big, so the bigger the pot, yeah. the less you have to worry. Um, what what was in the pot? How did, how did you fill the pot, or has it just been out there for a long time? Well, I, 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 I bought some organic soil and... Then there was a mixture. I don't remember what it was, and I followed the directions. Mm -hmm. And then I had um, gravel on the bottom of the pot, and then I put the the soil. Okay. And then I put in the root, and I think I forgot how much it told me to cover it and how much to keep up out of the soil. Mm -hmm. But those were the directions that I followed, and then I put it there, and no. I didn't see anything the first summer. Then last summer I saw some stuff poking through, mm -hmm. and I had to put um, I put hot seeds around it because I saw the squirrels digging in it. <laughs> hot pepper seeds, yeah. Yes, and then this year I got about I don't know like two feet of stalks and green leaves mm -hmm. and new leaves, and then when the weather we had a cold snap and uh, they all went This limp. was this was one of the worst end yeah. of the seasons I've ever had because. It was mild for a while, and I had yeah. all this lettuce growing and pansies out. Yep. And if we have a slow progression to winter, those things do well. Yeah. But boom, all of a sudden, without warning, it was 20 degrees. Yep, and, and they all went limp, and then yeah. when it warmed up again, they all came back to life again. Yeah, no, I think well, my flowers are confused, because some died, and they came back when it got warmer, and then they went dormant, and then they came back again. Yeah. So. How much sun does it get? In the from when the sun comes up in the morning, mm -hmm. I would say up until two o'clock maybe. Okay. Well, the afternoon sun doesn't hit it right because it's in the front of the house. Well, not exactly. It's sort of like a partial sort okay. of thing. 
Okay. Yes. With five sun hours of morning sun, and morning sun is the best yeah. sun. Yeah. Um, you're going to have good greenery. It's it's uh, it yeah. sounds like you planted it well. It's going to get lush. Um, to get it to flower. Now you know my hydrangeas. Um, they flower, you know, unpredictably. But don't prune it, and I have a feeling it'll come into its own. It, yeah, it, it looks pretty good. This should be the year of big growth, and you'll see if you get any flowers. But don't prune it. Don't touch yeah. anything. Uh, do you know, for instance, if it's a hydrangea that blooms on old wood or new wood? No, because I don't know what that means. Right. But you do you remember the cultivar name? Is it uh, Endless Summer? Is it Limelight? Something like that? The nursery I got it from, I, they just, it's like all the other hydrangeas in North Philly. They seem to always be in bloom until wintertime. Right, right, okay. Well, then, I would not worry about it. They don't need to be pruned, but you can ruin things by pruning them at the wrong time of year. So just let it be. Yeah, with a small okay. bare root plant, it's not unusual at all for it to take two, three, maybe even four years yeah. to get big enough to bloom. So just be patient. It sounds like everything's cool. Yeah, because that, and the other, um, I don't know if you have time. Do you have time for another question? What is it? My corn plant didn't come back. They were beautiful the first two seasons, mm -hmm. but they didn't come back this summer. No, buy new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the daylilies, when they, when those stalks, should they be cut or left alone after, you know, all the, this time of year? Um, they still have a lot of the greenery around right. the, where the daylilies, but they have those dried stalks. Right. Well, one thing you have to realize about wintertime plants, if they die completely back to the ground like hostas and the leaves have literally fallen off, you can clean those up. Yeah. But if there's still um, plant material above ground yeah. that's holding on, leave it there because yeah. that protects the plant from winter injury. Yeah. And the best time to remove that stuff and clean it up is in the spring. My problem is that the the um, landscape, I call them the unscapers, yeah. they tend to come by with this blower that has gasoline in it, and then they oh. blow all the blooms off my plant. <laughs> but, so that that's good. So that's for my, my, my day bills. And I, my, I have a butterfly tree. Tree which, or bush? Well, I think they say a tree one when I planted it, okay. but it looked like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree uh -huh. for yeah. the first two years. And then this summer... It was supposed to have three kinds of blooms on it, only had one, but I got um, beautiful butterflies. Right. It, yeah. It, my neighbors thought it was a weed. They tried to pull it up, but they couldn't get it up out the ground. Thank right. Goodness. You bought one of these novelty plants where they graft like three or four different plants onto one plant. If you, if you have the room and you want to attract the maximum number of butterflies, just get a dead, simple butterfly bush and put it where it's going to get a lot of sun. I yeah, get, I have that out front, yeah. yeah. And you see how many come to it, yeah. And then the last question, I, um, how can I get lavender or lilacs that actually have scent? I oh, put... that's a question that could go on for a long time. There are many different types of lavender. So I would encourage you to go online to a specialty uh, supplier. Make okay. sure you get a hardy lavender. There's some called Spanish lavender that won't survive even in the city. Okay. But English lavender probably would. And then there's different what are called cultivars, some of which the more original they are, the bigger scent they're going to have, whereby some of the hybrids that have been bred to be 
you know, probably more vigorous, they trade off the scent for that. So read the descriptions carefully. You want one that's winter hardy and fragrant. Yeah, because we had a nice one, but uh, my neighbor had a really big, it, it just grew. Mm-hmm. But some, in the middle of the night, I don't know, someone came and dug the whole thing up. It was, and that was the end of that. But. Well, if it makes you feel any better, they have that same problem in South Philly. <laughs> they chain their pots up, yeah. Oh, yeah, mine are chained. This was in the ground. I know, I know. Yeah. Much easier. You don't have to pick up the pot. And it was a huge, it was like the size of a love seat. Yeah, there you go. And, well, and, uh, so, and she's passed now. But I have been listening to you for years and years and years and years on the radio, driving around my car. And I didn't even know that I could see you on the TV, but I did. Yeah, what a terrible disappointment, right? I, and I couldn't find myself today. But thank you so much for um, all of your information. I love your show. And I will continue to hear, listen on the radio and I don't know how I found you on the television, but I'll look for you on TV again (laughs) to see your podcast. All right. That's wonderful. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Number to call, 833-727-9588. Joanna, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, Mike. It's good to speak with you. It's good to speak with you, Joanna. Where are you? I am in Pennington, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Very good. What can we do for Joanna in the garden state? Well... So I've, I've cleaned up all the leaves in my yard. Right. But I decided to leave the leaves in my garden beds. Okay. And, well, just till spring. But the reason I wanted to leave them there is I was thinking about the spiders and the butterflies and the insects and other critters that might be using the leaf litter as habitat. So, but then I listened to you talking about don't ever mulch with whole leaves, shred the leaves, don't leave the whole leaves in your garden. And I guess my question is, how can I protect the critters? And still do right by my plants. Well, uh, there may be some uh, um, insects uh, trying to live under the leaf litter. It's not a very hospitable environment. Um, but the odds are that there can be nasty ones down there as well as good ones. Um, and most good insects would prefer um, a mulch of shredded leaves to live under because it breathes, it, um, it, it allows rainwater through, and it doesn't get all moldy underneath. Mm-hmm. When you let whole leaves lay in any area, a lawn, a garden bed, they mat together, and then they freeze, they thaw, they freeze, they thaw. And if you've ever done this, it's a bear to get them off at the end of the season. And there's often a lot of mold there and you've kind of starved that land of any oxygen it could Mm -hmm. have absorbed during the winter. So the easiest thing in the world is just suck them up with a leaf shredder and then put them right back where you got them. Um, The reason it seems natural, and so many people have told me this, that they want to imitate nature. They want to imitate the woods. And the thing that they don't understand is trees are bullies. Trees do not want any competition on the forest floor. So think think about being in a a deciduous forest and all these leaves come down. Nobody rakes them. Nobody sucks them up. Nobody blows them. And it is a very successful way of making sure that the trees are pretty much the only plants uh, that grow in the woods. I... Um, hustle, I harvest all of the leaves on my property. 
but on the south side of my house is a stream that runs right along the side of the house. It's just glorious to have when it's running. And on the other side of the stream is a totally naturally wooded area. Now, I have not seen a single new plant pop up in that area in so long, I can't tell you. And you can look over, and in one sense, it's beautiful, because you can be in June, and the leaves over there are still orange and yellow and red, and they have really not decomposed. It's gonna take years and years. But Mm -hmm. when, when they do decompose, they will eventually turn into true topsoil. Uh, Topsoil is the top 30 centimeters of material you'll find on an undisturbed um, forest floor. It's not what the builder bulldozed off your house before he came back in a different truck and sold you topsoil. Um, Topsoil, in, in reality, the horticultural term, it's light and it's springy and it becomes great food for the trees, but it is the ultimate weed mat. It really prevents the growth of, if you walk through the woods a lot, you you don't see a lot of little plants. Mm -hmm. The bullies have smothered them. So I think it could be detrimental to leave the whole leaves on all winter, but I would simply get out there, you know, with a, a blower vac, collect them into your shoulder bag and just empty the shoulder bag right back over the bed you suck them up from. Now now air is getting in, water is getting in, much easier for creatures to get under there and hibernate. And one thing I often neglect to tell people is in the spring when planting time comes, go out there a couple weeks early and rake all that mulch off of your bed so the soil can warm up. Otherwise, it's going to keep the soil cool but just rake it to the outskirts of the bed. And then when you're done planting, especially plants that are already started like tomatoes and um, uh, peppers, cucumbers, things like that, then just put the mulch right back on to prevent weeds. But for that first couple of weeks in the spring, you will get a much better start by allowing the sun to warm up that bare soil. But that's the only time it should be bare. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much. I guess I'm going out to shred some more. There you go. Sorry. (laughs) But good luck to you. All right. Thanks. Take care. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will brave the month of January to appear in tropical Wilkes-Barre, PA on Saturday and Sunday, January 25th and 26th at the Home and Garden Show at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Wilkes-Barre, PA. Don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet, because we'll be right back to suggest holiday gifts that protect you against ticks and take more of your biting phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute TV and Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. 
Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of WLVT and WLVR, Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week. Tick-proof clothing and tick-killing tubes that make great holiday gifts for gardeners. What's more festive than a feature on ticks at this time of year? I can't think of a single thing. In the meantime, more of your fascinating phone calls at 833-727-9588. Peter, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good to be on. Thank you. Oh, thank you for making it, Peter. Where are you, man? I am uh, currently uh, working at an organic farm. I'm taking time out. The farm is uh, a little bit south of my home in Warrington, Virginia. Excellent. What can we do for you? Um, I have a brand new house and a brand new subdivision on a lot that was as most builders do, scraped completely clean down mm -hmm. to the clay. Right. Um, and then they use all that big machinery to really harden that clay. So it is. It is like it is like trying to work with adobe bricks. Uh -huh. The um, the landscaper for the builder took care of the front of the house and the back of the house, which are basically the east and west sides. But there's mm -hmm. a north side of the house, northeast, that gets maybe a little bit of early morning sun that is in shade most of the time. Right. And I thought that would be a good area to tackle now uh, in the off-season to start amending the soil to add something to the clay to make it suitable for a uh, perennial, it's probably 40 to 45 feet long and maybe 2 to 3 feet wide, a perennial bed that I will be able to plant in the spring. So I thought if I get a head start on it now, get the soil prepped, um, that that uh, that would make it easier to just go pick what I want to plant and plant it, and, and they'd be off to a better start than if I just stuck them in the clay. Yeah, unless you want to grow mushrooms, this sounds like a, <laughs> a dank and dark place. All of the sod on that hard-packed clay struggled to get established, but mm -hmm. the best sod in the whole yard is right in that area. Huh. But, but I'm willing. But I'm willing to dig it up to put in some. Uh, some full, full. Yeah. You've got a plant that's surviving. That's the yeah, end exactly. of the game. You know, yeah. walk away a winner. Do not seize defeat from the jaws of victory. Victory. Um, yeah. When they install sod, they're actually supposed to take away a fair amount of the subsoil and then rough up the rest. So that would be your improved soil there. And if this grass looks good, I really would not mess with it. If uh, Is there any area where the grass doesn't reach or anything like that? I mean, you know, a lot of people are opposed to lawns, but if you don't feed them chemicals or put pesticides on them, lawns are amazing at um, working rainwater and slowing it down, putting oxygen into the atmosphere, sequestering carbon dioxide. I mean, right. take, if, you don't, if you don't mess with chemicals, um, lawns could save us from global warming. There is a lot of carbon sequestered in there. And if you rip it up and your perennials failed, Al Gore is going to give you a beating when you pass away because he has replaced St. Peter now. Instead of yeah. a list of good deeds and bad deeds, um, he just puts your foot onto this giant footprint on the ground and, and sees how evil you were while you lived. You know. Yeah. So do you really have to do this? Because I, I would suggest that um, 
you know, anytime a plant like this that is a, a plant in totality, if you know what I mean, it really is working that rainwater. And, uh, you know, there have been some massive floods in your area. So, you know, I would not get rid of something that is a, a great erosion protector and take a chance on something else doing well there. But, you know, perhaps if you look at this area and there's something else you want to do, think about containers or something like that. And I know you, you may not want to hear this and people are going to be going, he wants a guy to keep a lawn? You're supposed to rip up your lawn and plant other stuff. But I see this as extra work for you, a, a tremendous risk of failure where you already have success. Good point. Yeah, I would work on other areas of the house, work on container gardens and stuff like that. We do have a deck that I had thought about putting a couple of um, containers um, you know, long rectangular style containers, maybe mm -hmm. four of them on the deck and growing something there just so there's something kind of close oh, by when we sit on the deck. No, absolutely. Uh, container gardening on a deck is great. If you look around, for instance, you can find these kind of plastic rectangular containers mm -hmm. um, that actually fit onto the deck. They have sides that go down and lock into the decking material so you don't have to worry about anybody knocking them over. Right, yeah. And you run them all around the deck. In the summertime, you grow fragrant herbs out there, peppers, uh, hot peppers, and uh, the small bell peppers, you know, flowers. Go nuts. I hadn't thought of that. I, I mean, I would have been willing to just do, like, all really colorful, bright annuals. Yeah. Um, let them die off and just wait till the spring and start over again and experiment with something new. But uh, I, I have heard of the winter-hardy pansies yep. and other winter-hardy plants and, I hadn't thought of. That you know, you're working later. at an organic farm. Practice what they practice. I mean, there's something Absolutely. in the ground all the time. And if you really want to get extra points, there is a beautiful plant called Tithonia, known as Mexican sunflower, that if you grow a couple of... Uh, containers of these, these are the best plants to feed monarchs before they begin their migration back down to Mexico. That's good to know. Because, because in spite of what the landscapers did in this yard, they did put some trees in the back. We are going to add the trees, and we were thinking of uh, uh, shrubs, flowering shrubs that attract bees and butterflies. Mm -hmm. So... But that would be for permanent plantings. But for, uh, I mean, I'll go, I'll go take a look at that for container planting for sure. Yeah. And when, uh, when we're done here, go to our website. Go to youbetyourgarden.org uh, because either in this show or a more recent show or maybe next week, I'm recommending books about pollinators. And there's one specifically um, that gives you everything you need to bring in the most possible pollinators and beneficial insects. Cool. All right, man. I'll do that. All right, good luck. Now get back to work. All right, as promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling holiday gifts for ticks. Well, tick prevention, that is. Maureen in Downingtown, PA, writes... I remember a show where you extolled the virtues of BTI for mosquito prevention. 
And I wonder if you have any similar suggestions for pest control, especially for deer ticks. I recently moved into a ground floor apartment that abuts a heavily wooded area and had an infestation of what the exterminator described as flea-like mites all around the exterior, although I never got their specific name. Now, my neighbors have assured me that deer ticks are also a serious problem, and I've seen deer on my front stoop and by my windows, so I know they're not timid about getting close. I am eager to start a vegetable garden, and I think it's inevitable I'll need to treat for pests. I also want to treat around my doors and windows, but I don't want to harm my house plants, my cats, or myself. Any thoughts? Well, yes, Maureen. Even with insidious and potentially deadly and disabling pests like ticks, treating, which I assume means spraying, is never the answer. So, Maureen, I'm not sure what your, quote, flea-like mites were, but they sound like they could have been chiggers, nasty little arachnids that burrow into your skin. Now, thankfully, they don't feed on you or transmit disease, but people who have been chiggered report intolerable itching. Now, chiggers lurk in little islands of damp brush. So one answer is to cut all unnecessary brush to the ground, which will also help with ticks. Both pests and many others, including mosquitoes, greatly prefer habitats of tall, damp brush. Removing the brush removes their habitat. And despite what some exterminators may tell you, neither ticks nor chiggers will frequent well-cut lawns that are not overwatered. So you don't need to get your lawn sprayed. And neither pest will try to climb in through your windows. That's a flashback to Night of the Living Dead and not actual entomology. Both chiggers and ticks attach themselves to you while you walk through damp, brushy areas, like your nearby woods. You can't, or shouldn't, clear out those woods, so you either stay out of them or you wear arachnid-killing clothing. Now, some, perhaps many of you, heard the phone call a couple of weeks back on the show where a listener suggested concern about the potential effects of such clothing on the environment, as the clothing is treated with permethrin, a synthetic form of pyrethrum, one of the oldest botanical insecticides derived from the flowers of the pyrethrin daisy, a type of chrysanthemum. Yeah, I know. On the show, I said it was the leaves of that plant during that phone call. There is an easy explanation for this. I am a dummy. Permethrin, being a synthetic form of this botanical, resists degradation from sun, rain, time, and other elements. In fact, the permethrin clothing I wear is guaranteed for 100 washes. There's even a little checkbox inside the waistband that you can use to keep track. Being me, I just don't wash my tick pants. Hey, so they repel Martha Stewart as well as ticks and chiggers. No, I do not like using any kind of synthetic insecticide. But as I said during that phone call, I know too many people whose lives have been devastated by Lyme disease. And one of my dearest friends, Marty Singleton, died from Rocky Mountain spotted fever as the direct result of a tick bite. So I choose what my good friend Dr. Bill Quarles of the BIRC, the Biointegral Resource Center, calls the common sense pest control option. 
The permethrin isn't spread on my skin. The permethrin doesn't enter the environment, and it is remarkably effective. Now, the company I use for the clothing is called Insect Shield. A quick search found others offering the same kind of products and services, ready-made clothing, or send them your own clothes for a professional treatment. We move on to tick tube. Tick tubes are small cardboard tubes stuffed with cotton balls, also treated with permethrin. Despite the name deer tick, many of the ticks that carry Lyme disease have never seen a deer, but they have all spent time feeding on the white-footed field mouse. That makes mouse control essential to keeping ticks out of your landscape, a task that is so close to impossible you can see it without glasses. Enter the tubes. As anyone who has ever left an open box of tissues in an attic or basement knows, mice love to collect soft stuff to line their nests. If they find a cotton ball, you can be sure they'll carry it back home. If they found that cotton ball in a tick tube, the permethrin-coated cotton ball will kill any ticks on that mouse as well as on the mouse's family and any neighbor ticks that come in for a visit like to play cards. And it doesn't hurt the mice, just ticks. And it kills them at the most significant and dangerous stage in their development. Now, these tubes are EPA-approved, and they're available in 33 states as of this writing. In addition to the feds, each state must approve such products, and Daminex, the company that makes the tubes, hasn't bothered to apply for approval in states where Lyme disease is not an issue, okay? So, why do I repeat this information now? Because if your friends or relatives are tired of pulling ticks off themselves, a holiday gift of tick-proof clothing or a box of tick tubes is going to be much more welcome than another ugly sweater. Well, those were sure some useful gift ideas and tick deterrents all wrapped up in the same package now, wasn't they? Luckily for you, you can read the info over at your leisure or your leisure, because the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to unravel my bows if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please, please include your location you'll find all of this contact information. Plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half hour long public television show, an hour long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio, in association with WLVT and WLVR, Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. 
Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when his scientist father placed him in an experimental rocket ship and sent him off to be somebody else's problem. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is my daughter, Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless producer of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our new website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is Jazzy Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Zach the Taquisneski is in the house. Our beloved and beleaguered CEO Tim Fallon, who is not our executive producer, is probably away at some imaginary conference so he doesn't have to go to any meetings here. I'm your host, Holiday Frazzle, Mike McGrath reminding you to keep your poinsettias inside, to pot up your Christmas tree-shaped rosemary plants into bigger containers, and keep your tree well watered. Um, unless it's artificial. I have to get a color wheel for my shiny new aluminum Christmas tree, but I'll be back in time to see you again next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, this is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. The holidays are coming. Do you know what to get the gardener in your life? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, we'll reveal which holiday gifts are just gags and which ones actually help out in the never-ending battle against weeds and other woes. Plus your woeful phone calls. It's on the next You Bet Your Garden.